What is going on, fans? Welcome to another episode of the Saints and Sinners podcast. It is Alec. It is Jeremy here to break all things down. New Orleans Saints. Jeremy, first of all, before we get into this, man, uh, happy holidays. I know that's coming up here to you, to all the listeners out there. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. Um, Happy whatever you celebrate during this time of the year. Uh, Because it's, you know, it's uh, that time of the year where we give... uh, We're surrounded by friends, family, loved ones, and we just have a great old time together. So... That is exactly and that is exactly what the Saints did on Sunday as they uh, went and uh, swept the division rival, the hated Atlanta Falcons. They won um, 21-18. This game started off very quickly as a 14-0 New Orleans, and then in typical Saints fashion, they let the Falcons kind of creep back into this game and. Uh, I think probably during, <laughs> uh, the, the, during the last series Atlanta had, I think we all were kind of waiting for the miraculous, you know, crazy play to happen to where they end up scoring a touchdown instead of going for the field goal, and our hearts are broken once again. But yeah. that did not happen <laughs> as uh, Ritter threw a ball for, De- for uh, Drake London, and Justin Evans kind of knocked it loose. Bradley Rubby picked it off in the air. Yep. The Saints went on to win. They're now 5-9 and nine on the season, and, uh, you know, in typical NFC South fashion, they're very much in the mix of things in the <laughs> NFC South. And I know there are tons of people who are not happy this year, uh, you know, whether it was with the players, with Dennis Allen, you know, with the results of this team. And maybe they're not quite as talented as we thought or deep at certain positions. But nonetheless, look, if you went out and some things bounce your way, you're in the playoffs. And I feel like no matter what, kind of record you have or what position your team is in the goal is to always try to fight and get into the playoffs because at that point you throw out what's happened in the regular season you know that doesn't matter right um as long as you know the tournament you got a chance you know we as saints fans know that pretty well back in 2010 seattle <laughs> seven and nine led by matt hasselback and the recently oh, yeah. acquired marshawn lynch hosting the defending <laughs> super bowl champions you know everybody wrote off seattle and they went they pulled were. off one of the biggest upsets in NFL history. So it happens, folks. So if the Saints went out, which is likely, well, not not likely, but there's a chance it could happen. Philly would be the one that scares me at this point. And, you know, Jalen Hurts. And Jalen Hurts might not play. Right. We'll see how that pans out. That could yeah. be huge. That could be huge. Because based on the recent reports, it looks like they're, they might just shut down Hurts for the rest of the regular season and have him rest up with that extra week. I was going to say they could just shut down half the team at this point. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they've already almost <laughs> quinched the first seed anyway. They, if exactly. they win and the Vikings lose, they quench. So. Exactly. So, you know, realistically, the path is there. Right. And uh, we'll see what happens. You know, obviously we'll, we'll discuss playoff scenarios and all that, you know, later on. But right now, this game against the Falcons, Jeremy, what's some of your takeaways uh, from the Saints' victory? <sighs> I mean, they finally got back to the running game, which I think was the main thing. You you actually used Taysom Hill on the ground, even though he didn't have any great type of game. He was effective when you needed him, minus the fourth and one. But um, we won't talk about that. (laughs) Uh, Kamara actually had a good game, which was nice to see. It kind of goes to show how important Eric McCoy is to this offense because those four games or five games that he missed, Kamara looked horrendous and then the first game back he almost well he put up over 100 scrimmage yards so that's huge i mean that's a revival of the run game which was important because dalton didn't really have to do much he just cleaned it up in the red zone so it was nice to see for sure 
Yeah, and I think the biggest thing, as you just mentioned, the running game, something this team really has lacked uh, right. the last four or five weeks, it feels like what you just mentioned. Getting Eric McCoy back was huge because then it, it allowed you to move Reese back to right guard. Right. And, right. you know, you had your starting five back out there. Your, exactly. be- your starting five linemen. Um, and look, man, once again, I think Rashid Shahid is really pounding the table as far as a uh, a guy who can make plays for you next year, I think. Um, obviously, you know, when Deontay Harris broke out uh, as a specialist, uh, you know, we kind of thought about, oh, you know, if we can get him involved with the offense, you know, we'll see what he could do with that speed and, you know, his ability to kind of change direction. And, right, right. you know, ultimately that didn't pan out. And I think a lot of it had to do with just A, Hardy's size in particular. He's a smaller guy. And, right. you know, at that point when you're small and fast and playing quad receiver, you're only good for two things. It's going deep and running reverses and, you know, handoffs. And, right. Um, it didn't really work out with Hardy, you know, unfortunately. Or, um, But now with Shahid. Yeah, well, Shahid, he's he's a playmaker. You know, right. he it seems like every touchdown he's had this year has been at least 40, 50 yards plus. And yeah. <laughs> that's a guy you could build off of. That's a guy you, you could have as your third or fourth wide receiver to come in and just take the top off the of defenses and make plays for you. Exactly. It's nice to see him finally getting integrated in the offense too yep. because those first, let's see, one, two, three, four, five weeks he played, he had under 25% of offensive snaps, and in four out of those five, he had under 15%. So the last four games, he's had at least 49%, almost 50% or above. He had 71% offensive snaps this week. So it shows that they actually have some sort of trust in him, and they're actually going to start using him over, you know, Kevin White, all the other lower ranking receivers on the step chart and that's huge i mean that's good going into next season it means he could get another contract so yeah for sure i mean if you kind of look at the way this wide receiver room is built right now you know alave who has proven himself this year he'd be a wide receiver a wide receiver one in this league uh thomas we really don't know what's gonna happen with him i think we're both kind of agreeing that it's more likely he sticks around before they move on from him just because of the money right and you know all that Traquan Smith, who I really, I really like him as a wide receiver four because he is such a good run blocker. And, you know, in this offense, whether it was Robert Meacham, whether it was Brandon Coleman, whether it was... Um, the guy we talked about in the last one that I'm not going to remember the name of. <laughs> um, Hogan, or um, Hogan? Maybe. Krishan Hogan. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, you need a run blocking wide receiver to set the edge. And allow your guys to bounce off the outside. And Trey also does that. And, you know, in a pinch, he's nice to have as a wide receiver four, I feel like. But Shahid is a guy who can easily become that third guy in this offense. For sure. And uh, it seems like, like you said, it feels like week by week he's getting more and more involved in this offense. Yeah, it's impressive to see, frankly. We always have that one or two, you know, weight draft guys, whether it be picked or not picked, that pan out. And Shahid was that this year, clearly. Yeah. He's pretty buoyantly in the starting lineup at this point, so it's nice to see. It's impressive. I I had good expectations for him coming into the year. I kind of expected him to start working into the offense a little bit. I didn't expect it to this degree, frankly. Right. I mean, almost 350 receiving yards on the year, almost, and two touchdowns, and then another touchdown rushing. That's just good. I mean, simply put, he catches almost 80% of his passes, so. Yeah, for sure. It's nice. Oh. Yeah, it's nice to see. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think uh, another guy we got to mention here that's kind of stepped up this year despite the offensive inconsistencies would be Jawan Johnson, the tight end. Yeah. Um, you know, um, I'll plug up stats real quick from the games. Four catches, 67 yards, two touchdowns, average uh, almost 17 yards a catch. Two of them, two of those were third and longs that he converted. Um, look, I, you know, Jawan Johnson, that, this is a guy who coming out of Oregon was a wide receiver. We changed him to a tight end. Right. And if it just feels like year by year he's progressed as a better player overall. This is a guy who gets a lot more involved in the run game as a blocker. Uh, right. He's very physical and hands-on and sets the edge. Uh, and, you know, again, with with his re- with the receiver pedigree he already has, mm-hmm. you know, using his body and size as a tight end to run routes, and, you know, you're, you kind of you could do more with a guy like that than a straight-out tight receiver, end. Right. Yeah, you could do more with a wide receiver who is now a tight end than right. just a regular tight end, if that makes sense. Right. Um, he His leads... catch rate is yes. huge for that, too. Cause yeah, he's, exactly. He's never seen more than 25 targets in his first two years, and he couldn't catch more than 60% of them. Now he's cleared 60% on 55 targets, so he actually has the hands to kind of make plays in the red zone and bring it down instead of dropping it like in previous years, to be frank. Yeah, and, you know... <clears throat> This is with Andy Dalton, the quarterback, I might add. That too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with, you know, it given doesn't this, help this, anything. <laughs> given the situation, he's led the team in touchdowns, and that was seven on the year. Right. Um, and he's a guy, you know, maybe he's like a tight end one, but he's certainly a guy you can run twelve, uh, two tight ends set with. If you, right, if you he's can a find, Yeah, if you can find that other tight end to complement Jawan Johnson. I think he has something there with Jawan Johnson as a receiving, you know, kind of like how – uh, it was Cook and Josh Hill, to where Josh right. Hill was kind of right. your more utility, you know, run blocking tight end, but Jared Cook was the guy, the vertical threat. Right. You right. have something there. So those two guys, to me, really stood out, you know, in a positive way because, you know, those are two building pieces I could see. Okay, you have something here with these guys. Um, right. I, I think for me and I think for a lot of people, the one big problem for the Saints this year has been the run defense. And uh, <laughs> uh, the Falcons, man, they went out and had 231 yards on the ground. Uh, Tyler Algier, who's really kind of stepped up this year in the absence of Cordero Patterson for that chunk of the season when he was out. Yeah. Uh, 139 yards on the ground, averaged 8.2 yards a carry. Uh, Cordell had another 52 on the ground and a touchdown, and then Ritter had 38. So, Again, it's something we've talked about this year. We're going to get to it in the second half of this episode with, uh, you know, some positional group breakdowns. Um, obviously, I think the most disappointing group this year for me, at least, has been the rush defense, the defensive line in general, because, uh, you know, maybe this group was it's just not as talented as we thought it was. Um, and the depth really hasn't stepped up like we would have expected it to because this rush defense has not been good this year for the Saints flat out. Yeah, we kind of started off good defending the run. Like, obviously, the week one game, we got torched because the Falcons have good running backs. But we stopped Fournette. I mean, you gave up quite a bit to McCaffrey. I think we had a good game against Cook, if I can look. But uh, 20 for 76. Okay, maybe not. (laughs) Maybe they're just worse than I thought they actually were. (laughs) I know we got torched by Walker on that big run, so I'm not even going to look at that. I think we had a good game against Mixon. It does mostly just because they throw the ball 300 times, so. Yeah. Yeah, 37 pass attempts, 8 for 45 for Mixon. I mean, they've been on and off most of the year. It's like they've had some good games. They've had some bad ones. I miss when we had that defense that was, like, 
you go into every game knowing you weren't giving up 100 on the ground to anyone. And now it's just, shit, how much over 100 are we going to give? Exactly. <laughs> and this week it was 37 over, so I, I don't know. I mean, it's going to be bad next week against Nick's Chubb and uh, Cream Hunt. I, I'm pretty certain it's going to end up with quite a few r- yards on the ground there. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, for me, you know, when the Saints had this elite rush defense, it made teams one-dimensional, and you knew... They were going to pass, essentially. <laughs> and, and you knew with Peyton and Breeze at the helm offensively, you knew if you got up you got up by double digits... It was over, It was over, you know, yeah. your, your, your secondary was going to step up yeah, uh, and basically make teams one-dimensional, and now... It just you go up and you're done. <laughs> you might as well just call it a game and turn it off. Uh, this this defense in particular uh, in the rush game has been kind of disappointing this year, and yeah. you know with so many free agents along the defensive line, you know Davenport, Anyamata, uh, Tuttle, uh, Passanio, Street. I think <laughs> all of them essentially except everyone, for Jordan. Everyone except Cam and Peyton Turner. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of just makes you wonder. You know, is it maybe time to rebuild? This defensive line, and, you know, really I feel like the only two guys that are going to be safe are are Cam and Turner. Yeah, I don't think there's any other way to look at it at this point. (laughs) Right. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. Um, Another guy we've got to mention and give a shout-out to is Alante Taylor. Yeah, he had a decent game. Not phenomenal, but he definitely looked good enough for me not to give a shit. (laughs) Alante Taylor is a guy, man. Right, when I'm not being annoyed by you during a game as a DB, then you're doing well, so I'll take it at this point. I want to look at his stats, actually. I was curious, to, but I looked way too close after the game. Let's see. Uh, I just have the, those pulled up a second ago. Let me see. I have stats on the year. I don't have his individual stats. Oh, the game. I, think I'm, I have the game stats here in a second. Let's see. Uh, I thought I did. Maybe I don't. <laughs> I know he had a pretty decent game. He had a couple of the London, but I, I can't really blame him for oh, that. Oh, I, I got it right here. Um, 86.7 coverage grade, uh, nine targets, three catches allowed for just 23 yards, four forced incompletions, three pass breakups, a 42.4 passer rating when targeted. Uh, and he had that almost interception. He had a couple down. almost interceptions. Yeah. He, had, he, had a couple. he had like three. One, one was going to be a pick six. <laughs> yep. And the others, you know, almost interception. I feel like he's had a couple of those this year. He's had a couple. He's had a lot of them. Yeah. He's had a lot he's of had almost. A, he's had probably about 10 at this point. It's If he can turn those into interceptions, that's going to be massive for him because he's not just going to be, uh, you know, close down coverage guy he's gonna be a true ball hawk which is completely different but I mean, if you have that long side Lattimore mm-hmm. you're not to put it simply and here are her did you <clears throat> and here here are his numbers on the season so far do you have the mm-hmm. bullet me read it off to you uh you can read it off I just closed it actually okay so per PFF uh among corners this is from Ross Jackson by the way uh mm-hmm. he, he had these numbers pulled up uh among cornerbacks with 200 plus snaps mm-hmm. in coverage he has allowed a 63.8 passer rating, which is sixth lowest in the NFL. A 49 completion percentage allowed, fifth lowest. 246 receiving yards allowed, fifth lowest. Uh, his longest reception allowed was 20 yards. That is tied for the lowest among um, 90 corners who all qualify Jesus. for that stat. Or for it the sounds statistics. about right. I mean, I can probably 
So let's go Stingley. Well, I'm trying to think of the four ahead of him. It's sauce. probably Stingley, Woolen, Sauce, and that Texans, the other Texans one that I've been blanking on because he has a intriguing name. Let me find it. Uh... <clears throat> or not. Why can I not find him? There was another DB on the Texans that's been really good this year, and I cannot remember his name for the life of me. Was it a rookie? Yes. Oh, Petrie. No, that's no. a safety. Okay, it's okay. K, I think. Texans draft class. Let's find this. That might be easier. Nope. Okay, guess not. <laughs> There's some other rookie on that team that's been performing anyway, but it's... You know, there's there's very few in this class that have been better than Alante. Let's put it that way. And, and At those, least the DB. Those very position. few. Those very few might be just Stingley and, <laughs> and Sauce. And Sauce, pretty much. It might just be. And Woolen. Woolen's been very good. Oh yeah, Tariq Woolen. Yes, 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 yes. But yeah, it's nice to see that we have rookies because a lot of this team is getting up there in age. You know, twenty eight plus, thirty plus, even so. Mm. You need guys that are going to come in and sustain this team long-term. And frankly, if you're going to tank in 2023, which I don't know if you should or shouldn't yet, but if you're going to do that and you're going to go, ah, let's just go get Caleb Williams, you're going to have at least some sort of sustained value in young players by then. So Yeah, for sure. I mean, look at guys like Alante, <clears throat> Alante Taylor, Cade Nellis, assuming you bring him back, Yep, uh, Warner, um, you know, Adebo, assuming he gets over this sophomore sophomore slump. Jaid, Olave, Ruiz. I mean, you've you've got a lot of guys on this roster that are young. It's about fifty fifty. Yeah. So, as long as you can keep them around for another year and get a quarterback and kind of figure out what you're doing with the running back core, if you want to, I, I think there's something in this roster long term at least, which is not something I would have said earlier this year. Right. So I mean, it's, really, it's good to see. Really, it might be between <clears throat> the Saints and Panthers, in all seriousness, because I kind of think the moment Tom Brady leaves Tampa, I think that team's kind of going to blow up and kind of just you know go into a rebuild mode. Yeah, uh, kind of already doing that this offseason, to be frank. Yep, and then Tom they came back. They were kind of blowing it up. Yep, yeah. yep. Uh, Atlanta, um, uh, Atlanta's cool and all, but I think Carolina has much better, <clears throat> younger talent right now. Atlanta doesn't have much young talent. I mean, Al Gear. Um, Terrell, London. London, Pitts, Pitts. That's about the extent of it. <laughs> At least in Carolina, you <clears> have, <throat> you know, Jeremy Chin, Derek Burns, Brown, Brian Burns, um, Brian Burns, DJ Moore, yep, um, JC Horn, JC Horn, uh, Anuka Anuka Mora, the, the the tackle, yep, DJ Moore, yep. I mean, Who's yeah, the it, rookie they drafted this year? Oh, Amukamura. Or uh, Akeem. Akeem Akwanu. Akeem Akwanu, yes, yes, yes. So you yeah, have young I talent. Mean, it'll be interesting. And, you know, the Saints <laughs> can just find a way to get a quarterback, whether it's a you know, a rookie who they think they can play right away or a veteran. This yep. roster is still good enough, I think. It's a good enough mixture of old and young guys to compete in the short right. term, but at the same time, you have young talent for the long term as well. Right. So it's interesting. Um. Any other takeaways from this Falcons game before we dive into some positional breakdowns? Nah, it, it's it, it's about face value with this game. I yeah, mean, this game is what it was. First half was us, and then we, after the first two drives, just kind of 
fell off a map until that second Juwan touchdown. So yep. you got to figure out why that's happening, I guess, with the offense. Why it's I, Obviously, they're scripting the first two drives, and once they get beyond that, they're just kind of calling off heart, which obviously isn't working with Dennis Allen and Pete Carmichael. Yeah. <clears throat> so I don't know if they just need to completely say fuck it and just start writing up new plays or what it is, but they're yeah. clearly predictable at this point. You, you, would, you <clears throat> would think that, but nonetheless, I'll just leave it with this. Uh, this Falcons game, like you said, it, it, the scoreboard kind of speaks it. You know, mm-hmm. this was a game New Orleans had up until um, pretty much the third quarter when they were up 21-10. to 10. Yep. And then Atlanta creeps back. New Orleans almost pulled the New Orleans and, you know, gave this game away. And yeah. uh, the defense came through and made a play which is something we haven't seen a whole lot of this year, the takeaways, the turnovers. So. Yeah, fortunately, Ritter ran out on that last play. <laughs> so <laughs> That was so weird. I, I, that one kind of bamboozled me. Yeah, I, I mean, it bamboozled a lot of people. I don't know if he just didn't know how much time was left on the clock. He probably yeah. thought there was a second or two left so he could get another shot off. But yeah, that's what I yeah. think. I think so. But <laughs> doesn't look optimal. Regardless, you're five and nine and your next three games are against uh the Cleveland Browns who kinda have a lot of issues offensively, I think. Nick their biggest kill us. <laughs> their biggest problem is it's kinda weird how you trade Baker Mayfield, but now that Deshaun Watson is back, you're trying to force yourself to be this pass happy offense, which <laughs> is not working. <laughs> doesn't really work for Cleveland because you have you know, a dominant line and, you know, mm. arguably the best back duos in the NFL. Right. But you're trying to throw the ball to Sean Watson who hasn't played in two years. So, confusing, yes. So, he you have that. in this last game. I actually didn't look at his stats, but. You have that. 28, not bad. And then, you know, Philadelphia, depending what they decide to do with, with resting guys, you might get lucky. You might, you might play that. You might. You might. You, you might play Gardner Minshew in the backups, and then you know you're at home for Carolina, and it very well could be a situation where if you win, you're in. And again, Saints fans, I know it's been a crappy year. It's been a crappy division. It's been crappy, but nonetheless, if you get in the playoffs, hey, who knows what happens? Doesn't matter. You yeah. have you have a home Once playoff there, game. It doesn't matter. You have a home playoff game, and you're likely going to host probably. Dallas. Yeah, you're likely yeah. going to host Dallas, but nonetheless, you have an opportunity. And who knows? Maybe if the Saints – I think you mentioned it um, after the Tampa game. You know, you, mm. you mentioned it was real interesting to see how this team responds these next four right. games. And I think in particular for Dennis Allen's job security, how he responds. And <laughs> if you want to run here and win these next four and somehow things work out the way they should outside of the things you control – and you get in the playoffs, and if you can somehow pull off an upset, then hey, maybe that's just the spark Dennis Allen needed. And right. this team needed to respond to him. So who knows? I mean, who knows? We'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I, I don't I, I don't really have an opinion on it yet. We're too early into this. We haven't won. Yeah, exactly. Have we won back-to-back games this year? I'm pretty sure we haven't. I want to say that that's probably a big old no if I had to say. Let's take a look. So we won the Rams game and the Rams <laughs> game, which I know, I know for a fact we didn't win back-to-back. We won this game, which to be determined. We won against the Seahawks and then lost to the Bengals, so no. And then we won against the Falcons and lost to the Bucs. We haven't won back-to-back games. Yeah. So... Yep. If you're gonna go on a run, you gotta go on a run now because yep. you can't get behind at this point. It's you gotta win it out and then hope to God the Bucks lose to. I don't even know who the fuck they're playing, but it's not good. I know that. 
Yep. It's Cardinals. That'll be close. Uh, fucking Colt McCoy is their starting quarterback for now, so I, I don't think that'll be much of a challenge. And then they play the Panthers and Falcons, who whatever. I mean, they could beat them. They might not because this division, we'll see. It, it's kind of a throw-up at this point. Yeah. So who knows? Mm. We'll see what happens nonetheless. It'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now let's get into our positional breakdown series. Last week we did the quarterbacks and running backs. Yep. Uh, this week we're going to do the linemen, both offensive and defensive. And I think let's start with the offensive side of the ball here because I think sure. we both feel pretty confident about the future of this group right now. Um, being you have your weakest your weakest link right now is probably Andrus Pete, And, you know, yep. I think people maybe – over hate Andrews Pete, but you got to realize two things. One, he actually is very above average of what he does, right. and two, the left guard market in particular isn't very, good. you know, good. <laughs> <laughs> so a guy That's like a guy like Andrews Pete easily is you know one of the top four or five guys at his position. Yeah, he um, made the Pro Bowl a couple years ago, which I found yeah, hilarious. He's, he's it made, just he's, shows he's, how bad the position he's, is. He's made two two or three Pro Bowls. So yeah, it's wild. That's your weakest link, and at the end of the day, if that is my weakest link, I'm perfectly okay with that because Andrews Pete is very solid at what he does. Uh, but, you know, you have Eric McCoy, Ruiz, Ramchek, and then, you know, potentially next year, Trevor Penning. Yeah, uh, I'm curious to see how that goes the rest of the year. He's been pretty damn good this year so far from what I've seen. So, yeah, he finally got some decent snaps last week. He had 44% of snaps up from... 11 and 17 the prior work weeks so they might finally be going all right Hurst isn't the guy long term let's just start seeing what we have which is what we've been begging for on this podcast for about four weeks now so <laughs> that it has it's uh he's got 40 snaps played this year two penalties no sacks allowed I'll take that all day I mean we gotta continue it and just kind of see how he pans out but you've got your left tackle of the future if he does so Agreed. 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 It's about that. <laughs> I think when I look at this offensive line, it's more about adding in the right depth behind it. Oh yeah. Um, sure. Just because that's something the Saints, I think, value have valued very much so for a long time now, having a swing oh, tackle yeah. and then, you know, two or three guys in the interior who can kind of flex in between tackle and center or, or a guard and center. I mean, so. Yeah, I'm thinking one of those fifth rounders this year is going to be a offensive lineman. Yeah, and I think <laughs> I'm pretty certain of it. And I think, you know, they could bring back Calvin Throckmorton. I wouldn't have a problem with that. He's, he's been, been fine. He's, he's not been, he's great, been fine. He's, he's, he's been fine when he's been called in, too. Right, right. When uh, Young's been good, too, at tackle, when he's not good, but he exists on the field when he's been playing at tackle. So. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting. Uh, do any, are there any guys in the draft maybe that you've kind of seen that maybe you'd like to take a look real quick? There that you would couple... like to talk about? Let's find out. Line 2023. Because, again, I just feel like with offensive line, um, <clears throat> you know, I feel like that's the easiest position to draft and plug in somebody. Or yeah, you it's... get them you get them uh, caught up game speed-wise a lot quicker <clears throat> than any other position. I feel like because, you know, offensive line play, regardless, oh still oh feels... Oh, no. There's what? two offensive linemen from Ohio State in this class. Uh, oh, no. Well, found them. <laughs> 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 and they're both big. Oh no, one six eight three fifty nine at tackle and one six three three hundred. One of those will be on the Saints. I'm pretty certain of it. That would be Dewan Jones and Luke 
Weipler, it seems like. My God, 6'8", 359 is enormous, by the way. That's bigger than Petting by a pretty substantial he's amount, a actually. He's a tackle, yeah. And then Luke Weipler, 6'3", 300 at center. That's also pretty damn large for a center, so. I would say one of those two. Oh, there's actually three. I forgot Paris Johnson's from OSU, too. So, But he's way up there. He's way outside our range. Good God. 6'8 uh, is a tackle? That just seems unfair. He is massive. I'm trying to see if there's another offensive lineman from uh, OSU. It seems like a lot of their guys are declaring. So let's see. Ooh, BC. They always have good offensive linemen. Oh, there's another one. Guard, Harry Miller. We have four offensive linemen from OSU. Yeah, one of those will be on the Saints, I'm pretty certain. Uh, I don't know a ton about this offensive line class. I haven't had a chance to look at a lot of these guys. I know Paris Johnson and uh, Peter Skaronsky are fucking phenomenal. But outside of that, I, I haven't had a chance to look yet. Mm-hmm. But, man, 6'8", 359 is huge. That's... I mean, that's penning, but just on steroids, essentially. Hopefully not actually on steroids, but... um, Yeah, I don't know. We'll see. I, I think down the board, we have two-fifths, I know that much, so I presume one would be an offensive lineman, shit, maybe even a fourth. Yeah. So, I don't know. It, it, it's... I think we're set long... Well, not long-term, because you have Ramchick, who eventually will be replaceable, but... That will be for another good five, six years, I would assume. So, mm-hmm. I'm pretty confident in who you have there. They look good enough where it's just you need the quarterback that knows how to play behind them because <laughs> Dalton and Jameis clearly don't. Jameis just takes the sacks because he's standing there for a long time, and Dalton just doesn't have the mobility. So, I don't know. It's solid enough where it's not really a position of need at this point, but getting depth is huge. Yeah, for sure. And I just feel like with the Saints, they always, you know, take depths. That's something they take uh, very, you know, seriously. Just because, you know, Andrews Pete is always good to miss a couple games throughout the season. For sure. Um, and now, you know, you lost McCoy for a stretch. and You, you know, lost Ram for a stretch, I think, too. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. The Saints always, you know, with Doug Marone and with Zach Streif, I trust that offensive line to always be good to go no matter what. Right. Um, I'm, I'll go ahead. I was going to say, I think Throckmorton had interest at the trade deadline thinking about it. I can't remember who, but someone, a couple people were interested in our offensive line depth. Like, yeah. they said word for word depth. So I'll be curious to see if we can actually get him back this offseason. Because if we don't, I know for a fact they'll draft someone. It's just that simple at this point. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, the offensive line free agent class is kind of, you know, meh. I haven't looked at it. It's not, it's not a very deep class uh, if we're needing starters, but thankfully the Saints don't really need starters. It's more of a fill-in backups, to, right? fill to what we might lose, you know, as far as backups go. But nah, it's a it's not a very deep uh, class. Uh, it doesn't look very good. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bunch of aging <clears throat> veterans, and uh, oh god, we're gonna sign Cam Irving, aren't we? Because he's <laughs> in division older tackle. Oh god. <laughs> so I always look for the guys in division because we always do that. We always sign people from the division. Caleb McGarry, yeah. Oh, yeah. There's not a lot of great tackles in this class. Yeah, they all kind of got locked up last year. Yep. So 
again, unless and thankfully the Saints are really in the market for starters, so it's just a bunch right. of backups. Which hey, I'm cool with that. So let's not shift over to defense of the defensive line group. I know mm, that's a group, obviously. Hey. Uh, <laughs> I think we both agree could use some some updating, if you will. Yes. Uh, the defensive tackle group. Some of the big free agents include Fletcher Cox, Jerome Hargrave, Dalvin Tomlinson, uh, David Arnimata. Obviously, he's a free agent. Yep. Sheldon Rankins, former Saint. Um, Deron Payne. Uh, Jerry Tillery, former first-round pick of the Chargers. Yep. Um, Derek Naughty too wouldn't be bad. Naughty from the Chiefs. You know, Tyquan Lewis from the Colts. Yep. Shy Tuttle. Um, there's a bunch of guys, nonetheless. So, I mean, what, what are some of your thoughts on the defensive line? Deron Payne, please. That will be the <laughs> cash uh, that, in on that man. That would be uh, that would be the spark to invest. That would be the player to invest in if you were. I'm curious what they have his market value at. Oh wow! Okay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you look at it? <laughs> yeah, fourteen and a half million a year. That I mean, that checks out. He's twenty-five. He's been exceptionally productive. I don't think Washington's going to pay him at this point because right. their defensive line is so deep that they just don't care anymore. Um, maybe they will. I, I doubt it. I would hope that you can get him. I don't think that you will, considering that price tag. But man, he's pretty blatantly the best one to invest in in this class not necessarily the best right now but if you're gonna invest in a guy it's him because he's the one that's most clearly the youngest and the best for his age so obviously i'd say cox is probably better at this moment but that's if your window's open like right now to compete and javon hargrave too he's also been very good this year but yeah, I, you're definitely looking to get two defensive tackles this year because we've been saying it for the last, I don't know, four years. Well, since Charlotte Rankins left, essentially. But you don't have that guy. Like, mm-hmm. Onyemata probably shouldn't be your defensive tackle one that you're relying on. He should probably be the two. So I don't really know. I, I would presume and hope that they just get tackle because tag, defensive tackle is probably the more pressing, pressing need at is. the moment. Yeah. Because you have Cam Jordan and you have Peyton Turner, which, sure, Turner's played, like, two minutes in the last two years, but at the same time, he also showed that he was talented and you want to give him time, so. Yeah. I don't and know. I'm, and, I'm, and, you know, we've seen Cam play on the inside mm. a couple times throughout his career. I mean. Right. I don't think you want to at this age, no, but not, it's not definitely this age. He's gonna be possible that he rotates. Yeah. <clears throat> End is not as good good necessarily like you've got the top guys you've got robert quinn who's phenomenal you've got jjy who's phenomenal robert quinn's been really off this year actually wow uh he wanted to reserve uh, a few weeks ago for the eagles did he yes uh, that oh i do remember that that's yes. right yep because they signed um was it sue yeah watt's been good he's older i don't think he's gonna get paid a ton he'll get paid but um there's not a lot of guys that are like, yeah, I want him. It's just kind of names at this point. Right. Um, you know, also this, I think uh, one name maybe you'll take a look at, maybe a guy you can kind of alternate between keeping him on the outside and the inside. Yep. Um, former top pick back in 2017, Solomon Thomas, you know, from the Jets, uh, who, yeah. you know, he's been solid when he's played. I think he's, I think he got injured early on this year for the Jets. Um, yeah, I think so. But that's the guy who has played on the inside before, you know, between the, his time in New York and with the Raiders. Right. Uh, so that would be a guy, maybe a tweaker, you know, if you want somebody to play in between. Um, 
that could be somebody. I do think the Saints maybe need to try and bring back Street. You know, he's been an okay rotational piece. Yeah, you know, he's quality enough where I don't think you want to let him go right. unless it's some sort of big deal. Right. Oh, well, Thomas. Samson Ebukam's been really good this year, which I did not anticipate. Twelve games, ten quarterback hits, five sacks, forced fumble. That's not bad at all. He's younger. I mean, not young, but he's twenty-seven. Let's take a look at his advanced stats real quick, because I have not been watching the 49ers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just, again... Aside from when they dogged us. It, it Kind of like the offensive line group, it's kind of, you know, unless you're in need of a quality starter, which the Saints, you know, that one or maybe both end and tackle could use one. Right. This would be the market maybe you want to invest a little more money in and try and lock up a... You know, a Durant Payne type player, but then maybe you go out and nab a couple, you know, a Solomon Thomas or a Dante Fowler esque free agent where it's not going to cost you an arm and a leg. Right. I'm just looking. And Bukam's actually been pretty good this year. Because let me see, what do they have Marcus Davenport's uh, market value listed? That's actually, uh, I was going to look at that because I know it's going to be pretty high. It's going to be like 12 or 13 probably. 23.2 million is what they're averaging. 23? What the fuck? They're saying his market value is four years, <laughs> $93 million. Yeah, he can go. See ya. I'm all set. I just really, because here's the thing, right? Here's the funny thing about that. Mm. So you're telling me. A million dollars a game, pretty much, for that period of time. (laughs) You're telling me that, you know, here's the guys they list. Uh, They selected the following players Spotrack has based on age, contract status, and, you know, all all that. So they have Frank Clark, Leonard Williams, Demarcus Lawrence, and Miles Garrett listed. (laughs) The as uh, as comp players based on their age. Definitely. This contract. and the, st- and the stats compared to that. Games played might want to factor into that one. So, JJ yeah. <laughs> Wise expected seven point six million apparently comparatively. I wouldn't mind JJ Watt, but I would, he'd have to certainly rotate between Cam and 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 Peyton Turner. He's, Brandon Graham's expected nothing. Three point three. This system is not okay. It, it, it's far beyond broken at this point. How was not Yannick Ngagwe averaging 14.8? Is anyone expected above Davenport? That's what I'm curious about. Uh, let's just let's look at fucking Lamar Jackson and see if he's expected more than that. Because frankly, I would think it's pretty close to that. Let's just take a look, just for my sanity just, just to see if they're way overvaluing him. They're overvaluing the hell out of Marcus Davenport. I think they might have uh, misclicked. I think it might have been 3.2. <laughs> Because good God Almighty, I just... Oh, Lamar's... They got Lamar's right. All right. What is Lamar's 40, at? 41 and a half. Okay, yeah. That checks out. Let's see. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo. Let's just... For my sake of... Okay, 34. So, quarter... It's it's very heavily positional-based. They say... Because... Well, and also they say Tom Brady should average at 40. Yeah. I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah. How about Daniel Jones? That's actually... Daniel Jones is expected about the same amount. That tells you all you need to know about this system. Yep. <laughs> it's literally just positional-based and age-based. Yep. Good that's lord, because they're saying Gino needs to average 36. <laughs> so, I'm, just gonna li- I'm, just not, I'm not going to listen to Spot Track if that's what we're doing here. Yeah, no, that's that's not acceptable. I'm, I'm only using this website for who is available, so I need to know. Uh, okay, good um, to know. But, so... You know, uh, are there any guys in the draft that maybe you will, you know, be looking Again. at? Uh, 
Have done a whole lot of work, but you have some names you could throw out there on, at the least. Let's take a look see. Another position I haven't looked. I know Gervon Dexter is one that's going to be way up there, but I'm very high on him. <laughs> Let's see. Well, Will Anderson, obviously, we're not going to get. Miles oh. Murphy, probably not. We can get Will Anderson. Yeah, just we'll, we'll just ask our whole team. We'll, we'll just ask the Lions to give us that third <laughs> Ask nicely. Pick. Yeah, we'll be Jim like we'll, we'll be like Dan Campbell. We gave you this job, so uh, it's time to cash in that favor. I know Brian Rizzi is supposed to be really good. He's way up there, though. I actually, Let's would not. See. I would not hate that this team brought back Sheldon Rankins. Would hate that. Yeah. Oh God. Big defensive lineman, defensive edge from uh, OSU. We're good. <laughs> Sounds about right. I think Zach we have Harrison. a guy. 272, 66. Yep, we're done. <laughs> no. Gervon Dexter, I would really like to get. I watched him quite a bit this year. He looked very good. I mean, compared to everyone else in this class. Mm -hmm. BJ Ojolari is probably going to go way up there. I don't even know if he committed or not committed. Um, declared yet. Let's see. Jared Verse, why are you so low on this list? Uh, there's a lot of LSU guys. Well, not a lot, but a couple. A lot of Michigan dudes. I mean, I don't know this class exceptionally well, aside from the top couple of guys in Anderson, Gervon, eventually, Miles mm -hmm. Murphy, Brise. But um, I would say there's enough talent down the board where it's like it looks like you could probably get someone quality in the third round. I would say second round, you're probably looking at quarterback, depending on who falls. Like Hendon Hooker, I would say, is probably your top choice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And Jaron Hall, I'd say, later down the board. But um, running back and defensive line need to be essentially the focus of your other picks. Yep. <laughs> because it looks like they're strong enough class where you might as well just say fuck it and grab a bunch of them, and one of them will pan out. I don't know. It, it's intriguing to say I, the least because I, I just i just feel like for the most part you're probably set offensive line wise outside of depth right, right. you're probably maybe okay at wide receiver if you wanted to invest a maybe a second yeah. a second or a you third grab one, i wouldn't yeah. hate it right um tight end depending what they want to do with free agency i think they need to bring somebody to compliment juan johnson but okay yep. linebacker assuming you bring back kate nellis you're fine Right. And you have DeMarco Jackson coming back off the injury. Right, and exactly. secondary, at the moment, you're okay. Yeah. This receiver class is not phenomenal anyway, so I don't really... You could bring in a free agent. avoiding it. Yeah. But, yeah. Like, there's a couple guys, but it's like... I don't know. I, I don't think you're necessarily going, yeah, this is the class where we get a receiver. It's very polar opposite to last year, where right. you're probably not going to get a quality receiver outside the top probably five of them, so... Right, so I think for me, it's just, like you said, running back and then defensive line are probably the two biggest concerns I have for this team right now. Yeah, I would say safety you could also look at. I don't know if it's something you're, like, really pushing for, but you need a guy long-term because May is getting older and he didn't really look that good this year. He looked fine, but and then Tyran's also getting older and he's been what he's been. No, but I think at least with Tyron, I've seen a vision for Tyron Matthew. Right. Marcus Ooh. May, he looks like he's just kind of been there. Christian Gonzalez is coming out of this class. Uh, Oregon fanboy moment. Um, there's a lot of SEC DBs in this class, <laughs> to put it simply. Koei Ringo, Malachi Moore, Brian Branch, Clark Phillips. Oh, no, not Clark Phillips. He's Utah. 
Uh, Eli Ricks. Yeah, there's a lot of DBs that are SEC this year. That's going to be probably where people are going to be drafting. It's not a lot of safeties, though. Brandon Joseph, I've heard he's pretty good. Jordan Battle, I've heard is pretty good. Huh. Yeah, I don't know. Oh, God. Cornerback out of OSU. Drafted. <laughs> if I'm just an OSU guy, an automatic draft. No question. If I see OSU, I just automatically presume he's on the draft board. Ronnie Hickman, drafted. There's three, there's two OSU safeties in this class, so uh, one of them will be on the Saints. <laughs> That's a fact. That's a fact. Good times. And then there's a bunch of LSU players that we won't draft, so I won't even look at them. Uh, or maybe Dennis Allen will draft them, even though it'll be overdrafting and it won't be worth it. But Yeah. <sighs> Sounds kind of interesting. I just kind of think, I think we're in agreement to that back end. A running back and the defensive line might be the two biggest groups of need for the Saints going into the offseason. See, the last two drafts have been really nice because I just don't care what position we draft mm -hmm. because there's holes everywhere, almost. So it's like, so quarterback, running back, I wouldn't mind a tight end. Offensive line depth, defensive line anything. Tight end, we I just mentioned. Receiver, you could use another one. Linebacker's probably the one position you wouldn't want to go to, so I'm sure they'll draft four. Um, DBs, you could use another corner deep down the board, and you could use a safety. So uh, it's at the point where I'm just like, draft who you want, and we'll figure it out. Yeah. Or everyone was like knocking the Alante pick when it happened, and that's what gives me confidence going into this draft because so they know they doing. at least know what they're doing. Yeah. So sure. I'm not gonna freak out about any pick. I'm actually gonna look into it before I say anything. Right. I think for me, I'm more interested in a free agency only because yeah. the cap is gonna keep on growing. So the Saints once again will have to maneuver the cap to get under. But once they do get under, I'm kind of wondering is this gonna be a team that decides to go all in on a certain player, like a Deron Payne, you know, type, right. or are they gonna try and play it safe and and sign some low budget guys at the same time, make the most of what they're what they have in the draft. So. It'll be interesting to see what kind of approaches. Last year they went all in with Tyron Matthew, with Jarvis Landry, Marcus May, um, and we saw how that kind of worked out. So we'll see. The cap space is actually expected to go up about fifteen million this upcoming season, it's nice. which would be massive because that puts us at fifty over, I think, because we're at sixty six right now. So. Oh, it's chump change. Yeah, it's just we we've been, we've been restructure under, four contracts we, and you're we, good. We've been under a hundred. We've been. I was gonna say we'll probably have a hundred by the time we restructure. Well, last, I, I think last year was seventy. Uh, and yeah. So now fifty. Chump change. Yeah, we could do that. No problem. Restructure a couple dudes and you got four hundred million. Exactly. So again, it'll be interesting. We'll see how this plays out. But um, oop, Suns just got sold. Hey, how about that? GG. Selling franchise to billionaire mortgage lender Matt Ishbia. Well, he's got to be he's got to be better. He's got to be better than uh, the current regime because it was. Yeah, uh, it's not saying yeah. much. It's pretty bad. In <laughs> it was pretty bad in Phoenix for a long time. Oh yeah, pretty bad. Oh. Um, but we'll see. So uh, next week we're gonna do what uh, receivers and tight ends probably. Yeah. Yeah. So it'll be lots of fun, and then again mm. we'll see what happens Sunday against Cleveland. Um, It'll be an interesting one, nonetheless. <laughs> and we'll see if the the hope stays alive. So, Nick Chubb is going to demolish us. I'm certain of it. Now you Actually, it'll probably it'll probably be Dearness Johnson. It's never the one we expect. So you say that, but again, the Browns have, have morphed into a pass happy offense. And I, I mean, just... Chubb had a hundred last week. So 
and he had like 21 carries. Let's see. This is the first time we've had a solid game in like a month. Stats. Let's just take a quick peeky. Yeah, so he had 21 for 99. He didn't have a good game against the Bengals, but then he had 17 for 80, 26 for 116. That's about when Watson started. So he's had three good games. The Bengals one was very bad. That's the one where they were just trying to force the ball down the <laughs> fucking lanes. Yep. So we'll see. We'll see, we'll see, we'll see. So until then, folks, this is Alec. This is Jeremy. We're signing off on the Saints and Sinners podcast. And until next time, we'll see you guys then. See you, everyone.